When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stangy Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit FamilyLawRepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. That's FamilyLawRepresentation.com. Stangy Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangy Law Firm has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy, 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. This is episode 62 of Outlander Cast with Mary and Blake. And he that word has told Down among the dead men, down among the dead men, down, 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 down among the dead men, let him lie. All the way from Providence, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm your host, Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I'll see you in hell. Oh, God. That was a tough episode. Really, really what tough. What a good episode, man. My. Oh, loved it. So, um, quick, quick disclaimer. Blake and I are actually in separate states right now. We are podcasting over the interwebs. We were able to actually see the episode apart from one another, um, just things happen where Blake is getting an extra day in Mystic, Connecticut, which is Hi-yo. awesome. So uh, if, if there's any audio discrepancy, I'm just giving you a heads up now. But my, what an episode. Let's let's uh, talk about our GBGs. Yes. All right. Well, why don't you start, my love? All right. My good was the battle scenes. I think okay. that they were breathtaking. I was nervous. I was at the edge of my seat, but I just think it was um, extremely well done, and the whole cinematography, just everything. It was it was hauntingly beautiful. It, it caused me so much. <laughs> my nerves were on on edge the entire time. My bad was the drama between these generals. Like, guys, just get a hold of yourselves. All right. Stop being nasty. And it's not that there was anything wrong with these these actors. I'm just saying I felt really awkward sitting there and I'm like twiddling my thumbs like, guys, I'm bored. I thank God that I do not have to sit on meetings like that because I'm nervous. I'm on a board this year, guys, for my son's school. And if my board meetings are anything like that, oh, I'm going to I'm going to be like that guy in the back who's like, well, what do I tell the McDonald's you know, <laughs> with his white hair? <laughs> That's going to be me at board meetings. Like I'm freaking bored, guys. And the great was the acting by mm. every single person in this episode, whether young or old. 
I was, you know, I was about to put down like, oh, Fergus or, you know, <laughs> Sam or Dougal. I just called Sam, but we know Jamie. What else? Like I, the, the, the little, the poor little <laughs> British guys you see shaking in their boots. I wanted to put everyone down. So I'm just going to say everyone's acting. How about you, Blake? What was your GBG? Okay. So I think my good was Angus's death. I really liked Angus's death. Oh um, gosh. Can you, it, can you rephrase that? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, I understand how that sounds. I yes. don't mean it to sound like that. Uh, what I mean is, I thought that it was brutal, okay. um, and it was, and it gave the show uh, the emotional resonance that it needed for this battle. Like it would be easy for for everybody to survive their battle, and it'd be easy uh, for for these guys to just show up and be merry and everything's okay at the end. And again, like we've always talked about this, a bunch of log carriers dying. Nobody cares if a bunch of log carriers die. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. But now that Angus has, has, has died, uh, it gives emotional weight to Preston Pans. It gives emotional weight to Jamie, uh, knowing that one of his friends and someone that uh, was under his command uh, passed away. And I really like that. What that means for the viewer, I think it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. The bad. Uh, the first 20 minutes of the episode, oh, man, they were rough. Real rough. You I, talking was, about the drama? The drama? With oh, the- <laughs> God. It was boring. It was like a giant pissing contest. And there actually no was reason, a little little pee, but not in the first 20 I, minutes. <laughs> I know, well, which is actually really funny. But... It was like a pissing contest between a bunch of guys we don't know. And we're suddenly introduced to a quartermaster and then a general. And then they're interacting with uh, the Bonnie Prince. And we don't know who these guys are. What does it matter what they're arguing about? The only person that actually puts any weight to what's happening there is Jamie. And he's not even talking. So I didn't like that, that whole planning session. Although I really did like the scene with Dougal and the horse and the, the mosh and all that other stuff. I like that. But the great, the great, in my opinion, was the scene between Dougal and Jeremy Foster, uh, uh, our buddy Gaston. Yep. Wow. That whole scene just made it for me. Oh. Uh, seeing what Dougal is capable of, seeing that awful awful like part of him that he has no problem just killing this dude because he says the wrong thing yeah and and it shows you how um vile Dougal can be uh so i really liked that scene i liked the acting i liked the acting by the kid who plays foster mm-hmm. uh and and seeing the knife go into his stomach and oh, uh, the whole thing is i'll see you oh great loved it Good. I'm glad that you loved it. My kilt rating is a five. It's a straight up five. It is. I, I thoroughly enjoyed, um, I mean, it's hard to use the word enjoyed. This episode made me have all the feels as, as the hipster little tweens and the the popular people say about now. I, I had all the feels with this episode and it's so true. I cried. I, 
was nervous. I was seriously swearing my butt off, saying, damn it, Fergus. D- damn it, Fergus. <laughs> Where's Fergus? I mean, <laughs> I was so concerned for everyone. I was I was there emotionally with Claire pacing, waiting for these, you know, these soldiers for the battle cries to be heard. So it once again, costuming the the cinematography, the directing, the acting, just everything in this episode for me was on point. And I think that that, that first 20 minutes, uh, what you're talking about, Blake, and for me, what was the drama, I think we had to feel that. Because honest to God, here's the Bonnie Prince who has no flipping clue what he's doing. And he's listening to two people. And everyone's fighting. This is people have hot, heavy emotions. So I was uncomfortable there just because I was kind of like bored and I didn't really know what everyone's saying and I wanted to turn on the closed captions but that's what happens I bet in war people have a lot of opinions and it takes a while for them to figure out what they're going to do how about you what was your kilt rating you know I'm going to give this one um a 4.7 what brings it down a notch was that first 20 minutes you know they've built up to uh, Preston Pans and the conflict between the English and the Scottish. And then they finally get to it, and now we're mired in battle plans that really don't matter. I mean, it shows the, the conflict and the fact that they had to cross this mosh, and it just it, it was throwing a wrench into their plans. But it, it just went on and on and on and it dragged uh, so with that in mind it brings it back down to about a 4.7 for me and uh, that's it that's All it right. i really enjoyed it i thought the direction was absolutely fantastic i thought the editing was fantastic it was a good episode it was really a great episode and i and i loved i loved the fact that they finally gave us what they were building up to they built up to Preston Pans. They built up to this conflict, and there it is. Uh, it, it was the conflict itself was like fifteen minutes long, and it made sense. It was good. What I did our it. listeners give this episode? Ellie Moon on Facebook says, "For me, this was a four point nine kilts. The action and the music was are exhilarating, and as were the comedy moments and the Bonnie Prince Charlie, which she finds very amusing. By the way, he is so delirious. All the spitting going on in this episode, starting with Angus. Why? Oh man, <laughs> I can't read tonight. It's okay. Starting with Angus wine spitting, the hand packed spitting and the Murtaugh blade sharpening spitting, the beginning of the fight scene when the silence and the anticipation opens up with the stomp of the Highlander charge. Oh, my God. And Jamie's Tulak hard. Oh, fantastic. And Sarah Wanzi on Twitter says, four kilts and a sporin. Couldn't do five. Too many Mark Mees. Oh, my God. How many Mark Mees did we have in this episode? <laughs> I think it was five. Did you take out? (laughs) I think it was was five. Joanne, Joan of Arc, but it's Joanne. Do you see that? Or would you say Joan even still with all those N's and E? See, I call it Joanne. Joanne of Arc. That's what I think. 1126 says, this was all amazing. Five kilts felt like a brilliant ensemble theater piece. 
I was viscerally right there inside the field hospital and on the bloody battlefield. At some point, I realized I was holding my breath for almost the entire episode. I'm right there with you, Joanne. That's how I felt. All right, let's get into the recap. All right, let's do it. All right, so this episode was entitled Preston Pans, which is the battle upon which this episode was based. And it was written by Ira Stephen Bear. Uh, we all know his um, fame and my absolute fanboy adoration of him. Uh, he has written Wentworth Prison and uh, To Ransom a Man's Soul and Garrison Commander and the much maligned not in Scotland anymore. The director was Philip John, who did the last episode, and he's most famous for doing six episodes of Downton Abbey. And the DP was Neville Kidd. We all know who that is. And I wanted to make a special shout-out to the editor. Uh, Normally, it's Melissa Lawson Chung, uh, who we've highlighted before. But for this episode, it was Michael O'Halloran. Uh, and I want to give him a, a shout out, just like I did for Melissa Lawson Chung, because this episode could have been an absolute disaster when you start considering the flashbacks and how the the action of the cutting uh, during the battle scenes, and you, and you start putting it all together, it could have been a mess. And like it, it was, it was still even a little hard to follow, even though you know what was going on. But O'Halloran did a good job bringing it all back. And uh, editing the piece perfectly. So those are your uh, those are your details, my darling. Love it. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh gosh, can we can we just discuss those who we have lost in this episode? Oh, Ooh, I like where you're going with this. Yeah, I feel like feel like we need to uh, pay our respects in the okay. Outlander cast fashion. It's like paying the respects after The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, for Talking Dead. Mm-hmm. So Angus did not see that coming. And I no, started to... So you had said that, that one of your theories was that Rupert or Angus might die. And we just... We we love Angus. He's such a jokester. And I got nervous this episode. Oh, look at me. I like talking and I'm raising hairs on my my arms again. <laughs> he was just, he he kind of like had this little, little voice in his ear saying, hey, you might want to make a deal like those guys do. And you might want to really push Claire to give you a kiss. And granted, this is just his personality. But mm-hmm. <sighs> it was like warning bells going off for me. How about you? Claire's like the harbinger of death almost. <laughs> Don't like give her a kiss. Last episode. You know, she gets friends with uh, those two American guys, <laughs> and they croak, and now she gives Angus a kiss, and he croaks. I mean, what are we doing here, oh, right? Oh, man. Um, but I will say, yes, one of my theories is that one of them had to die, and uh, they needed that because there's a price to pay. There has to be a price to pay for the battle itself, but there also has to be a price to pay for the viewer. Uh, you can't just go into Preston Pans and go into this battle and, like I said, have nothing happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did see it coming, uh, and especially when she did give him the kiss and when he, you could tell that he was interested in making this pact. Uh, I, was, I, I thought it was going to be more like 
what happened to Rupert, which was, you know, he gets slid up the back, um, slid up the stomach, and you know, it's a it's an obvious death. The great trick was when they have the explosion and you see the they cut back and forth. Um, you don't know that he's necessarily injured. You just think that oh, he's just been thrown uh, forward by the blast. But in the end, you realize and you find out that he was bleeding internally because of the blast, which ended up being his undoing, which I felt like was a good twist. That was something that I did not expect. Uh, and once I saw Rupert get cut up, I'm like, oh, Rupert's going to die. Uh, but clearly that didn't happen. Uh, what do you think about that twist, my darling? I, it broke my heart. It broke my heart because at first you're thinking everything's fine and then you see the huge blow up and I was like, he is not okay. He has a broken bone or something. Yep. And then when Claire was looking him over, I thought maybe she was going to find that he was like seriously bleeding on the back of his head. Didn't because it was all internal. So I'm just really saddened by it. Um, Ron Moore has come out and has said that Willie was supposed to die. But Willie didn't come back. <laughs> the actor who plays Willie <laughs> had some th- some different things to do rather than come back for season two of Outlander. He had to get married in the show is how they write it off. But Willie was supposed Went and to got die. Himself married. So they had to rewrite it. And they wrote it for Angus. So even us book readers were not expecting this. And this was mm. really hard. Um he's he's such a beloved character. And the way that he died was so hard to watch. My God. And then they oh, had this like real. extra shot of him with his eyes open and the blood all over his face. And I was like, ew, really? Ron? I didn't need that. I didn't need that extra bloody, weird, open-eyed dead shot. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I was just, re- I was all si- all done. All done. I thought it was It reminded me, him. actually, it, re- it reminded me of when the guy got uh, Borgord. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, oh, what, what, what episode was that? I forget. Anyway, um, it just the poor guy just bled out and died. And this one with Angus was 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 very bloody mm-hmm. uh, and it was brutal and it was um, it was vicious almost. Uh, and a lot of people had a, a hard time understanding what he was saying. And one of our amazing listeners on the Outland ca- uh, cla- cast clan gathering had said uh, and found out that Angus said, uh, mistress, save me. Uh, and then that was that was it. That was the end. How do they know and that's what he said? I have no idea, but that's what they ended up saying on the clan gathering, and which is why you, the listener, should be joining the clan gathering so you can get this information instantly, just like I do. <laughs> so I it makes it. me sound smart. How's that sound? <laughs> <laughs> Everything that he did this episode was just so, um, so on point with helping showcase with humor, but helping showcase really what what thoughts these gentlemen must have been going through. You know, the true. Mm-hmm reality that they are walking this thin rope and even if they were going to win you know Murta says like all right Claire just just to double check we're gonna win this right and she's like yes but even Murta knows even she knows it with Jamie just because they knew they would win Preston Pans doesn't mean no one would die like obviously yep, people had to go die. untarnished yes and I this this scene with the spitting in the hands and the shaking of the hands and how he wants to do it. By the way, after Rupert did not want to do the little bro spit handshake, did you see how Angus <laughs> and, like licked his hand? Why? No, no, no. Actually, 
I'm surprised that you that you didn't notice this when when Angus was holding his hand out and when it you looks just dripping? saw all of his spit <laughs> drip down his. Oh, hand. I saw that. I saw that. That was disgusting. But then he Gross. licked it, and I was like, "Buddy, <laughs> what? <laughs> why? Wipe that off for your own kill, will you? Or do something. Don't lick it. It's the nasty. Little, the little kisses he gave towards Claire, saying, "You see now, oh, yeah. Th- this is something that I." Remember, like, in the finale of last season when yes. he kind of kisses her abruptly? Yep. You see, oh, nope. see, I was so disappointed by that. And this was handled perfectly. Well, it this was is like, Ira. Ira wrote funny, that in. It was implied. It was better. It, but but we kind of needed that from before. We needed this to reference that. We needed to yeah, know I that this is right. what Angus does. And we I think from this we could just expect that Angus wanted Claire to kiss him all the time. <laughs> well, to be honest, who wouldn't? Hmm. Uh, you know, ultimately, though, the thing about this episode was I, I'm so happy that Preston Pans was won. I'm so happy that uh, clearly this was a decisive victory and they even made, it, you know, that knowledge readily accessible within the show by saying that the battle only took 15 minutes long and the, the Scots only, you know, lost between, they only had 50 casualties, whereas, you know, the other guys had hundreds and hundreds. And they were routed. They were running away. And that is a great moment of glory. The problem, though, and it's not even necessarily a problem, but despite the fact that they've had this glorious victory, <laughs> you've lost Angus, yep. Rupert's hurt, and you're left with this kind of uh, gloomy outlook like yeah we won this one but Culloden's coming and yes. I'm going to be right about that one too Yes. And it, so as much as it's great and yay it's okay everybody you get your, you get your dose of reality here it, it's not all it's not all shits and giggles and uh, Angus, Angus dying is, is a perfect representation of that but what's coming is Culloden and it's going to be bad news and I think that the last scene really helped give us that feeling because the general public around the guys were you know raising their hands yeah you know they were so excited and proud and yet Rupert came out and he's singing and you get to see Claire and Jamie and and Murtaugh talk about how yeah Claire was right and Claire's gonna be right again crap you know it was this mixed joy just like what you're talking about yes you won this battle but this isn't even it, man. This is one. But and then and then that that lasting shot on oh. Rupert as the episode ends, and the episode like it just ends so abruptly, like mm-hmm. it boom cuts, smash cuts yes. right to black. Uh, it was almost jarring. Like I was like, oh, did <laughs> did my computer break or did something happen with the stars app? What what happened? But. That lasting image of Rupert's face, that mm, dejection, yeah. that loss, that um, depression that his best friend is now gone and he didn't want to do the, the, the spit oath and he didn't want to make plans. And here he is reluctantly grabbing Angus's knife uh, uh, sword, sword yeah. and, and taking it with him. And oh, my God, it was just beautiful. It really was. It was fantastically written. And again, in the hands of the master, Iris Stephen Bear, uh, I'm telling you, he knows how to write. And yep. he, wrote, he wrote a great episode. And it was, not, it was fitting that he wrote this episode because he is so adept 
at, um, I mean, I don't want to sound, you know, base or coarse, but he is adept at this masculine kind of writing. And he's adept with uh, uh, Rupert and Angus and uh, having all those guys together. And, I mean, do you, do you, uh, do you co-sign with that? Hey, I think he has a bromance with Ron Moore. So that's his bro. If there was a spit oath, it would be between Iris Stephen Bear and Ron Moore. <laughs> I totally agree. Right? You know they did it right before the episode aired, right? Oh. You know they totally did it. <laughs> They're like bros for life, man. They like showed <laughs> they spit into their hands. They showed the actor who played Ross. Like, here's how you're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. and Ron's like, if I die, you, you could be the showrunner, okay? <laughs> oh. oh man, that's funny. Uh, but yeah, no. I mean, do you agree that I that? That Ira is is quite good at this kind of writing. Oh my like God, he, he yeah. always wrote the Garrison Commander, like in the other ones. He's quite good at it. He's amazing. He's absolutely amazing, and I think right. he did such a wonderful job. You know, even with the death in the the first shot that we got to see, which totally looked like Norman Reedus, who is in The Walking Dead. <laughs> he, I swear to God, go back and watch. The uh, the first scene of Claire walking on and finding that dead uh, Scotsman getting like eaten by maggots and spiders crawling oh. all over his face. But I was like, oh, my God, is that Norman Reedus? <laughs> That's how you say his name, right? <laughs> Norman Reedus, otherwise yeah. known as Daryl. Yeah, it looked like um, Daryl, but dead and having bugs on him. It, how funny, though, and turning turning that around, though, how funny was it when Jamie was like, how long does it take you to take a piss? Really? Come on. Let's go. Oh. But I will say, I will say that Claire having this recognition that she saw this guy dead and how many people has she seen die? And it was far too many. And the the most important thing that we all have to recognize here is that she's going to see more. She's going to see more people dead. And she's going to see people that she knows and loves dead. That is what's going to hurt her most. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that that is scary. That is, that's a scary outcome and a scary outlook for Claire. And the fact that she knows it, oh, even, even worse. So we had that first man who is dead. We had our mm-hmm. beloved Angus. Gosh, it was just so precious and amazing during this episode. And we had the the, the another scene that like was really really um, poignant was how young the British soldiers looked as the the Scottish army came out through the mist, and you saw the guys right. just sleeping. I mean, oh. listen, I'm all for the Scots right now, but. I felt bad for those British soldiers. And then especially when you got to see them hanging out with Jamie and playing with his peacock. They're just regular <laughs> guys. You know, and this is the sad thing about war. And that's one of the things that the Bonnie Prince was trying to say. These are your brothers. And granted, it really was an awkward situation and became even more awkward when Dougal came in. But I saw these gentlemen... And they looked. I don't. I don't know how young they are, but these actors looked really young to me. How about you? Mm-hmm. Well, yes, they totally looked young. And the funny thing is, is I like to shit on the Bonnie Prince all the time. And trust me, he deserves it. But mark me. He <laughs> mock me. His his foresight into what he has to do if he were to 
win back the throne, he has to make all these people like come back together again. He has to make it so that they can live as brothers and countrymen. Uh, it would be one united country. Mm-hmm. And I got I got to admit, it's <laughs> it's a positive outlook. It's a little pie in the sky, but it's the right it's the right turn. And Dougal's uh, Dougal's mentality uh, is completely wrong. I mean, I get it. I understand why he he feels that way. I mean, clearly the the, the British have done really bad stuff, uh, Scott. So I get the anger. But going forward, if Dougal is so intent on having um, uh, the the Stuarts back on the throne, he also has to recognize the politics of it. Mm-hmm. But then again, and I want to ask this question of you: Is is Dougal in love? Is he the narcissist? You know, is he in love with his own image? In is all of this because that's what he wants, or it's because he uh, truly wants a Stuart on the throne? Or was he doing it for himself? See, TV Dougal is different than book Dougal. TV Dougal, really, uh, he's a wild card. He really is. I mean, we saw him... we saw Sorry. Every time you say wild card, I think of our cat, Sassanak. Because <laughs> you never know what our cat's going to do, so I always call him the wild card. <laughs> he is the most unlike Jamie animal ever. We named him Sassanak because he's red. <laughs> he's a red cat. Even we though... found him in the woods in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. Even though Claire Sassanak. Anyway, um, yeah, I just feel like Dougal's a serious wild card in the television show, and he makes me feel very uncomfortable. So it, mm-hmm. it's hard because I come, I came from knowing Dougal in a different way, and this Dougal does seem to be a narcissist, and he does seem to also be like really, really just intent on killing lots and lots and lots and lots of people. Like he's just, he mm-hmm. just wants all the blood, and and I, I don't know. Makes me feel very is uncomfortable. Dougal, is Dougal capable of living beyond the war? Do you think? Can can Dougal live in a place where the the English are his brothers? Clearly, he doesn't want it. Do you think he'd be capable of of uh, accepting them in his life? No, I mean, he has a hard enough time accepting <laughs> Scotsmen like Jamie in his life. You saw how pissed he was at Jamie at the end, right? Right, comparing himself to uh, comparing Jamie to his brother Colum for that for, the, for his yeah, plan of promoting of championing and exiling him, and, and exiling him mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. Which again, kind of plays into my outlandish theory in that these two cannot live with each other at the same time. Jamie will out of his way. I mean, do you think Jamie's eager to get Dougal out? Jamie has so many fish to fry right now. He's just he's trying to be alive. I think he he wants to, <laughs> he wants Dougal out of the way because Dougal is bloodthirsty to some degree. But I think Jamie has other things that he needs to do and focus on as well right now, presently. Like you know, yep. fight a war. Let's talk about Kincaid dying. What do you got for me? I just <laughs> I just loved his friendship with Ross. That's how right. I feel like Iris Stephen Bear and Ron Moore are. They're just like really sweet bros with their awesome hair. <laughs> Both of them. You know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know, I didn't even know who these guys were. And for them to actually have names 
and for me to care about them when they die. And, and I love the great conversations between them and Angus and Rupert, where it's like, you guys are going to run away, and then you have the Dirk and the pointing of the knife, and they're insulting each other and then spitting at each other, and really good stuff. And at the beginning of the episode, you have no idea who these people are. But by the end, you feel so terrible. Like when, the, when, when he, he's being carried in by his buddy oh. over, his, over, his, you know, over his back, and when Claire says, there's nothing I can do, and he, and he, and he stops her from, from going forward, and it's, he's just so desperate. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, a, it's a testament to the writing and to the actor's abilities to make you care about these log carriers. Like I know I keep saying that, but it's the truth, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, these guys have really no background and they have no business being on the same screen in my opinion as Rupert and Angus but for you to actually care about them and then and and then like I I I remember at the end of the episode when when Rupert and, and the other guy are singing like I was actually like okay you know maybe they're not buddies but at least they have each other and they understand what they're, where they're coming from. And I actually felt bad for the other guy. Ross. I really, truly did. He has a name, Ross, Blake. Yeah. He has a name. <laughs> Wait, he's not named Log Carrier number one? No. <laughs> I, I actually felt bad for them. I know. And that's terrible. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, that's good. But it's a terrible thing, too, because, you know, their buddies are dying. And, uh, and it could have been easy. It could have been so easy to have Kincaid die and then nobody else die. Mm-hmm. Like you would have felt bad, and and yes, that would have sucked, and you got you got a little bit of emotional weight out of it. Uh, but I give um, Ira a lot of credit for killing off Angus too, and I'm sure that's a decision that Ron Moore was obviously a part of too. But for the fact that they actually had the guts to kill him and kill him the way they did, that they that they tricked you uh, was even better. I really like mm-hmm. that. Let's talk about Lieutenant Foster. And his oh, death. Gaston. <laughs> no one <laughs> bites like Gaston. <laughs> if you guys go back to our Rent episode, we referred to D- Lieutenant Foster as Gaston the entire time. <laughs> um, what did you think about this? Oh, God, this made me want to spit on Dougal and slap him. And I was... This it was the Bonnie Prince said, "Bring all wounded soldiers here." This guy was like, "Hey, how's it going, Dougal? Remember me and when I helped you and Claire? How's it going? Can you please um bring me over there because I'm obviously injured." He wasn't being mean. He wasn't like, "I'll get you. I'm gonna get you, Dougal." He was just being straight up, like from one soldier to another. And yes, he did tell Dougal just as a heads up. I don't think this is going to go over too well with him. And I was like, wow, he's really doing him a solid. He's He really is. Because he is able to say, no, okay. he's not. He's, what? He's telling Dougal you're not going to win, which is the truth. No, you see, in guy terms, that's like, yeah, you got one on me now. But you are, you, you have no shot. So just give up. Just give up right now because you got no shot. Is that really how you took it, though? Did you take it as him being boastful? Because that's how you're making it sound. And I saw it more as, I'm trying to help you out. Mm, I didn't take it as him trying to help Dougal out. Uh, And I didn't take it as him being boastful either. And I know that kind of contradicts what I just said. But I took it like, this is inevitable. Don't bother. 
And maybe it's trying to help them out because it's like, okay, just quit while you're ahead. But no matter how many battles you win, no matter how many Highlander charges you make or whatever, the English will always win out. And you know what? He's right. Yeah. He is right. He's always he's been right, obviously, up until the American Revolution. But he's right. And he has no other reason to believe otherwise. And then Dougal... Right? Stabs him in the tummy, which is the worst spot. Really, Dougal? And and digs it into him. Like, he digs right into his liver. To like, make it oh, painful. Man. Like no, And mind you, he shouldn't have even done that. He was supposed to bring the, like, guys who were wounded who could still live back to, the, back to Claire. But instead, he mm. decides, I'm going to kill him. And he doesn't even get him a pain-free death. Why do you think Dougal does this? Because Dougal doesn't. He he doesn't want any opposition. He wants to win, and he wants the Stuarts to win, and he hates the British so much. He wants all the British dead. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, because it seemed like at the time, I wasn't sure that Dougal was going to bring him, but I felt like Dougal was at least going to sit down, have a conversation, and then at the very least, walk away and say, hey, you're on your own, bro. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to go over there, all the power to you. I'm not taking you. So I felt like that was going to happen. And then, obviously, you know, Gaston makes the comment about the British inevitably going to win the war. And then there's this switch that happens. It's an it's an obvious switch. It's a it's a it's a complete physical turn Mm -hmm. on Dougal's part. Did you notice that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was Like like he literally spins out and and then gets right in front of him Uh, like he's pissed off. And I, I just wonder why, what about, is, do you think Dougal is scared? Yes. That ultimately they're going to lose. And, you know, Foster is telling him he's, that they're going to lose. And it's, it's, a, it's a reality that it's going to happen. I think Dougal is scared of not being important and not being in charge and not having something to do. You know, he, he, he isn't in charge of the Mackenzie clan right now. He was forced out and fighting is something he's good at. And he's nervous about the British coming in and taking over. And I, I, I feel like Dougal has no control over anything right now, except when he has the ability to kill someone and take away their life. And that's the one thing that he can do that he can be in charge of that. He can be good at, he's a good warrior. And so he just, keeps doing that since it's the only thing he can do right now yeah you know even jamie says so as a matter of fact uh he he says that Dougal is a great warrior but then again exiles him to be the captain of the newly found scottish dragoons uh and and pretty much um were they scouts alone by himself forever you know from from that on i mean to to do whatever he feels like you know what i mean i did love the scene where he went out on the horse to go test how how mucky the marsh was that was oh, really that was cool great. dougal up there and and just the conversation between he and jamie where jamie said you know we need to find out if we can cross it and if a horse can cross it with someone on their back then then our men can cross it 
And Dougal wants to do it because he wants the Bonnie Prince to see him do it. And he is fearless. And Jamie says, only go to 125 yards. And Dougal's like, psh, I can do 105. Well, good thing you didn't, Dougal, because you got a serious scrape on your head and your horse almost got shot. I was nervous. I was nervous the horse was going to get hurt. That's what I thought, too. I thought the horse was going to get shot. It's going to be like Dances of Wolves. And Dougal was going to get injured. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, though, I loved the shot of him uh, riding the horse down the hill, arms open, like, all right, come at me. What do you got? And uh, I thought that was a good test. It was a good uh, test of his medal. I'll put it that way. Uh, And it was a good test of the British medal and what they could actually do. Uh, And the fact that he was like, oh, yeah, right around there, 125. uh, we'll, We'll figure it out. And uh, really liked it. Loved that whole scene. It was tense. Uh, the horse getting stuck. Uh, the hat coming off the head was a little cheesy. It felt like one of those like 1930s films where, you know, like something gets pulled off by the string, you know. Um, it was a little cheesy, but I, I liked it. I liked the cut on his head. And then have to be all topped off by the fact that uh, the hero it just shat his pants. And he has to Loved go change it. his britches. Loved it. That, <laughs> that is one of those intimate scenes that only Jamie could hear. But, you know, then again, uh, no, Jamie wasn't the only person that heard it. Uh, and because obviously the rest of the crowd uh, laughed about it. But it was a good character moment, a good brilliant character moment uh, for Dougal written by, again, Ira Bear. I, I cannot stress how much Ira brought to this episode. Uh, those little character moments that you don't expect from someone like Dougal. Uh, that that is the writing genius right there. Uh, that that's what gives you the connection to the character, even though you kind of hate him by the end, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and and that's that's the amazing part about Dugo is you're laughing with him. You like seeing him get riled up, and then you hate him. You hate him so much. He's a wild card. I'm telling you. <laughs> Gotta be careful of that man. He's our cat. I'm telling you. So I think we've kind of morphed from moving on from the people who we've lost in this episode who have have passed. And now we're working with the people who are living. Let's talk about Fergus. He was making me so bloody nervous that this entire episode, those big, beautiful eyes and Claire just talking with him. And I love how he's always touching stuff. You've picked on it and, and, and noticed it every single episode. But Fergus is such a little kid at heart. Just wants to touch things, wants to play around. He's bored. Claire, of course, tells him, your job is making sure the fires stay lit. And he says, that's women's work. <laughs> he says it under his breath. And she's like, excuse me? Okay, sure, I'll do it. But what do you know? The bloody kid goes off to fight. And you well, before see, he does that, yeah. he has that great he has that great interaction with Jamie and uh, and Claire when he's saying, I, "I don't know, the guy who stoked the fires will watch after uh, <laughs> watch, watch after, after all the ladies." Yes, you know, I, I thought that was beautiful, and it was. the whole interaction was such a great like um, paternal maternal feeling. Mm-hmm. Like you really understand the fact that they are creating their own little family it is. and he admires them so much and they truly do love this kid and when he comes back from the fight of course claire is so nervous about him she runs out that was that was an interesting moment here comes jamie he comes in she checks him he's totally fine and she immediately wants to know where fergus is and she right. runs out to get him and rather than 
boxes her, his ears in like she said she wanted to do. She's holding him and hugging him and saying, we're going to find you some food and is comforting him. And I, I agree with you. Just the maternal instincts kicked in and they have their own little micro family and it just makes my heart pound. I just can't get enough I will tell you. I will tell you that I got emotional when Jamie uh, came back after the battle and uh, Claire you know, hugs him and they start talking and you, you, we won the day and the blood all over his face and she's checking him and I, I, I don't know, for whatever reason, I started to tear up a little mm-hmm. bit. Like mm-hmm. that was a good cathartic moment for me. Like they've been through so much and again, they've built up to this point and they finally win and they can rejoice uh, in each other's arms and see everything that is good about what they have just done even though obviously it's it's the you know the horror of war and all the other cliches i can throw out there right now but between the two it feels like we've done something here and we've done it together Mm -hmm. did you get that feeling yes i did i did I I just was I was very emotional this entire episode. As I said, I had all the feels. So it was it was joy. They're together. They're going to be okay for like what a little while, <laughs> and we'll go from there. But uh, but then how about the scene with Fergus and obviously Claire and, it, and he is trying to describe to her that I killed someone. Like exactly. And he fell and he and he struggled and he struck him and. He didn't even know what to do. And I got to tell you, I, I've always said, I, I effing hate kid actors, but this kid has brought it. He has. Not only did he bring it, you know, with the rape scene and the confession to Claire, but now we have this confession of him killing the English soldier. soldier. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. This kid is fantastic. Someone who you you don't love, <laughs> speaking of not looking kid children actors, the Bonnie Prince. Oh my God, this guy. <laughs> and it's not that you don't like the actor. You just don't like the Bonnie Prince. <laughs> well, it doesn't help the fact that the actor is goofy looking, dude. Like he is Blake, so stop freaking it. goofy looking. No, it's how they dress in the Bonnie Prince. He's doing a, such a great job of being this like perfectly precious oh look at me i'm in i'm in plaid i have a embellished plaid <laughs> jacket isn't it so fancy and kiss my hand jamie do as oh god, i say stupid hat oh my god so stupid <laughs> <sighs> mark me and, but but i told you he always has this look on his face like there's something stuck up his butt and he didn't know that it was there until like the last second I just, I hate his face. <laughs> <laughs> well, please stop picking poor on guy. his poor face. I know, seriously. <laughs> it's his teeth, too. His teeth are weird. I think that's what it is. Blake. You know what thinks, I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. I'm just trying to talk about the Bonnie Prince. We're going we're gonna to leave this one. No, 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 no. No, let's talk about the Bonnie Prince. Because clearly this guy uh, has a hard time making decisions. And the decisions that he does make... It just seems to be kind of full of crap. Like, oh yeah, we we took over um, uh, Edinburgh with 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 no blood spilled and nobody died and they just gave up and it's just going to keep happening. Are you kidding me, buddy? 
you are leading an army of Scots, angry Scots, and eventually the British are going to show up and they're going to say, I've had enough of you, fly, shoo, and they're going to wipe them away. For him to, to, to continue to think that the people are going to rise up with him, it's so it's, – it's naive, it's juvenile, and it's asinine, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he is not a good leader. Well, he has uh, daddy issues. Poor decision. He has daddy issues. He brought it up in this episode. And he tells Jamie, oh, by the way, I don't think my daddy likes me. But you know what? This explains a lot. It explains a lot. <laughs> it does. It makes you realize why this guy is so intent on taking back the throne because he has to prove to James the Third, his daddy, that, oh, look, daddy, look what I did for you. Please love me. You know, like, that's what it feels like. Yes. Yes. It's pathetic. Who's not pathetic is Murtaugh. Murtaugh no. is such a solid go-to. However, I felt the little Game of Thrones thing when he was sharpening his sword and Jamie said, oh, don't sharpen it too much. You know, you're going to, oh, he was like, what are you going to do? Make it a needle? You know what he said that? <laughs> and uh, Arya Stark calls her sword needle. So I was like, oh my God, <laughs> he'll have a, a needle. needle too. Grind the blade <laughs> to a needle. Yeah. Um, so this is when liked, they had that conversation I, I, that you've been waiting for between Murta and Jamie. It was, you know, deaths not being, deaths feeling meaningless when you're in a big army. That when they're in these small clan, you run on now and you, you get this big feeling and you are nervous and people care about you. And if you were to die in the highlands in a little, in a, in a kind of, you know, smaller fight, it would be a big deal. And how when you have these wars, your death can somehow be meaningless. And Jamie kind of tries to be a leader and how he speaks to him. But then he says, you know, I feel much the same way as you do. Yep. And in Paris, we failed to stop this. And so, you know, we need to keep trying and to, to now do to now make this happen to 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 win. And I thought about how you have been saying, especially with the last episode, that you just didn't feel like Jamie had this deep reflection going on. And I think he, he often can't because he has to be a leader to these guys. He can't show that he's nervous and that he's upset and he's scared out of his wits. But he had that moment right here with Murtaugh where they got to say, man, if we die, it's not even going to be a big deal because right, right. tons of guys are going to die. We're just going to be a number. <sighs> We're not going to be, awesome. they're not going to be songs about us, like specifically. This is, we're just a number. This is what I wanted uh, from Jamie and from Murtaugh. The fact that Murtaugh is comfortable enough to bring this up to Jamie, um, excellent, excellent. And, and I like how this, it was part of the sequence of events uh, with Ross and Kincaid, and they did the, the spit thing and then you know angus tries to do to do the spit thing with uh with rupert and then now you have um murtaugh spitting on the stone uh and, and they've all uh made bonds somewhat with each other uh ross and kincaid angus and rupert and now murtaugh with his sword uh beautiful stuff and the fact again that Murtaugh can admit this to Jamie um, 
this is exactly what I was looking for because there is this moral gray area when it comes to battles and war. And what does it all mean? What are we actually doing here? And then when Jamie says, uh, I failed us in Paris, and then Murtaugh comes, comes back without missing a beat saying, we failed. Oh, I, I, I can tell you, I got emotional at that scene too. <laughs> Look at you, you had all the feels too. You <laughs> a did. But, but it, it makes them real characters. It makes them real people, real mm-hmm. fears, real problems. And even Jamie admitting to this, uh, I think for himself, but also to give Murtaugh comfort, despite the fact that he said, uh, you're not going to get any words of comfort from me. Mm-hmm. But then again, he, he just... He thought about it, it again. Right. Anyway. Yeah. Loved it. Loved the whole scene. You know, between that scene and the Dougal scene uh, with uh, Jeremy Foster, oh, man, two of my favorites, really. I actually really enjoyed seeing Claire at work, and I know that her scenes were really minor. I mean, the, the, the scenes that mattered were the battle scenes. They were this development between the bromances, whether it's Jamie and Murtaugh or Ross and Kincaid or Rupert and Angus or the craziness of Dougal. But I liked seeing Claire prepare her women, prepare them emotionally, and then also to see her um, become really emotional, but it be able to keep her, her, her wits about her. You know, it, it was cool to see her in that kind of a leading position. We've had to see her follow other people's orders or j- just act out of character. And this is Claire. This is Claire and what she and something she knows how to do and something that she was trained how to do. And now she's being a leader on her own of the healers. So I really enjoyed seeing her do that. Yeah, I totally too. Uh, in, in fact, um, <sighs> Here's the thing, Claire, you know, it's been my fear that Claire would be a passive presence. And for the past two episodes, she has been relatively passive presence. presence. And But I will say, seeing her in, front of, in, in charge of all of her friends, I'm sorry, all the people that she's in charge of with all the women who really have no training, they have no idea what they're doing. They're just listening to Claire, and I love the whole bit of of the uh, the honey water, and Claire saying, "Trust me, we're gonna need it. It'll keep their blood pressure up, all this other stuff." And the woman is looking at her with like with like two heads. Did you notice that? Yes, yes, I loved it. <laughs> but she told them, you know, our men are depending on us. And while they yep. were having that scene, and she was telling everyone to just kind of keep their wits about them, Bear had this score of just this pulsating drum. And it just kept going, boom, boom, boom. And I was like, that reminds me when you're so scared and you're so nervous that you can hear your heartbeat. And that's yeah. all, you know, it, it, it just, that becomes your soundtrack. Now, granted, I really haven't been in that many scary situations. So the closest I can get to this is like when I played Manhunt with my friends and I'd be like hiding and nervous <laughs> that someone was going to get me. But you know, you know when you played those games when you were 12 and it was like all of your hair and your spidey senses were up and you literally were trying to hide and be as quiet as you possibly could and you hear your heartbeat. 
and you're nervous that someone's going to find you and someone's going to catch you. So granted, I have not even come close to anything like a real situation like this, but I have heard my heartbeat. I have felt that pulse. And that's how this scene made me feel. And I loved it. I loved it between Claire and I loved it between Bear McCreary. And how about that beautiful, subtle scene uh, and the beautiful, subtle sound of when the battle began, you hear all the men's crying out and all of the men's screams uh, from the battlefield, you know, however, you know, far away it was from the, the medical tent and clear hearing it and all, all the women hearing it. I thought that was really special. It, it connected the two storylines because it did, it did feel so separate uh, until the end when all the guys showed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also got a little emotional too when the, the English showed up uh, and he said, we don't mean you any harm. We just need your attention. And Claire jumped right on it yes. and was, was got right in charge and said, okay, go over there. And nailed it. Loved it. I did worry that Jamie was going to give his glass that he needed to pee into to the soldier and ask him to do it. <laughs> like, oh, man, I think I'm going to have some bleeding in here and I don't want my wife to get mad at me. So excuse me, British soldier. Can you please pee in this cup for me? I really thought that's why he was walking to. Did you? That's what I thought, too. <laughs> I was like, why is he walking to him with that cup? What is he going to do? What an interesting moment. Yeah, that felt, uh, that was a little awkward to me. Um, I mean, I get the fact that the British are there and the Scottish are there and they're, they're interacting and it's a lot more friendly than you would think. But for Jamie to be like, hey, bro, hold this cup while I pee into it. <laughs> and then let's take bets. Uh, six pence. It was weird. I don't know. Did, you, did it make you feel weird? It made me feel like they're human. And Jamie's not out to like kill British soldiers. He's not like Dougal, where he yeah. hates all of them just because. Jamie understands that men are men and we're all human. And a lot of these guys were honestly forced to go be in the military they're, a lot of them are young, just come on in, and they're all there just to be healed. They came in there meaning no harm and thankful that Claire and her team would help them. So I saw it as Jamie actually as a leader trying to show the other people in that room, hey, you know what? We're not going to hate on these people. Watch me bust with them. We're going to have a little laugh with pee, with bathroom humor, because that, know, that was a thing. <laughs> so Jamie's peeing. And he is like midstream, and cannot pinch that quick. <laughs> so you have the Bonnie Prince show show up, and Jamie's got a pinch, and that's hard. And uh, Jamie's like all of a sudden turns around, and I felt like he was gonna, like, <laughs> I don't know, uh, he's gonna have his men's parts. Uh, exposed. No, that's the and, brilliance of the kilt. You just, boop, thank you. There it no, is. No, I get it. I like get a it. Curtain. I, I, the curtain. The curtain call. I expected the Bonnie Prince to be like, uh, Jamie, uh, you want to cover up there? I don't even think <laughs> the Bonnie Prince knew what was going on. He was just so full of himself. I don't even think he knew Jamie was peeing at that moment. No. <laughs> However, when Dougal came in at that moment with his knife and started to charge the British, that caught his attention. 
I've, yeah. The other moment, I know we've talked about the Bonnie Prince. The other moment that I wanted to discuss is when he was telling Jamie about this situation, about how he wanted to make sure that the British were cared for. But then he said he wanted them to have precedence over the Scots. Oh, yeah. And Not to, smart. And and to make sure that Claire did that. And Jamie, I love what Jamie's like, yeah, I don't think my wife's going to listen to you. <laughs> And he says, well, she's going to have to listen to her husband. And then to make, to like seal the deal, he sticks out his little hand for Jamie, you know, to show like, oh, look at me. Once again, I am your king. Kiss my hand. And then Jimmy Jimmy kisses him. But it was reluctantly. Oh, it was totally reluctantly. That scene also made me feel awkward. See, I'm talking about the feels. I was feeling sad. I was feeling happy. I was laughing. This one made me feel so awkward. I was like, why? Why did he want them? I mean, I could understand having them come on in. Welcome them into your healing tent. Come on down. But why should they take yep. precedence over your own men? So that being said, this episode gave me tons of feelings. Good, bad, sad, awkward, and it gave our listeners a lot to talk about. So here is the listeners' GBG. Let's do it. So on Facebook, uh, Melissa... Achilles or Achilles? Sure. Uh, she said the good was the battle scene. One of the best I've seen on the small screen. With the fog effect, it made you it made it look look like you were right there in the middle of the action. I've been waiting since season one, wondering how they were going to pull off the battle scenes, and this one did not disappoint. The bad was Angus dying. I think us book readers expected another beloved character to die. Not that I wanted that to happen either, but it was just such a shock, and I think we're all going to miss Angus. And the great was the Jamie and Claire moments. The bow Jamie gives Claire in each and wondering if they will see each other again. While Claire knows they will be victorious at Preston Pants, she doesn't know the fate of Jamie or any of the men that she's grown close to. I loved that bow, by the way. Uh, This is me speaking. That bow was, oh, it was awesome. The whole thing. King uh, of men. That that whole whole reuniting scene. uh, Just fantastic. What do we got on Instagram? Cat friend said, wow, my heart was racing and I had sweaty palms the whole episode. (laughs) Whenever I hear sweaty palms, I think of Harry Potter Mm -hmm. when he's falling out of the car and he's like, your hands are too sweaty. You know. All right, hold on. It's in the second. You're movie. a wizard, Harry. There you go. <laughs> so amazing. Your hands all sweaty. Your hands all sweaty. Cat friend says so. Or maybe it's in the third. I forget. Anyway, cat friend says so amazing. I think I've only got a great and a bad. Cat friend's great was that she loves Dougal's line. The hero of the arrow. The hero of the hour has just shat his pants. She said she actually laughed out loud with that. The scene in the hospital post-attack where Jamie pees in a cup. I've been looking forward to that scene. And when Jamie grabs Claire so fiercely, so much passion, couldn't help but hear my heart break. The bad was if I hear one more mark me, one more time. Gah! Overall, Cat Friend says, probably my favorite episode this season. And on Twitter, the fan of good dramas says that the good was the one-liners. Take sword, can't fight. 
the part-time whore, change pants, etc., <laughs> etc. The bad was Dougal, the captain of the dragoons, equals BJR, which equals evil. I can't read that other word. Evil GRT? Is that it, no. <laughs> you have, on, you have a, a fuzzy monitor, Blake. There's I'm on your phone. computer. Oh, that's the great. Guys, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Blake's computer, and he does not have like a very good screen, so everything's a little blurry and it looks like glt now i understand a fan of good dramas great was the character who often was offensive disgusting and aggravating completely broke hearts when he died hashtag angus now it's time for the kendra one well hold on i also love the one liner that um that uh, angus had he's like you think i want a fat man's sword on my hip oh that was cute (laughs) oh Oh, i love that are you ready for the kendra thought of the week always All right, let's do it. Hey, Marianne Blake, it's Kendra. I've watched this episode twice now, and there's absolutely nothing that I did not love about it, technically. Uh, That's not to say that I was overjoyed that we lost Angus or happy to see Lieutenant Foster stuck like a pig. That said, it made sense in the overall story we were telling, and it also gives us much-needed propulsion in the growing rift between Jamie and Dougal. On that note, watching Dougal's continued humiliation is a little difficult, no matter how you may feel about the guy. It's particularly hard to swallow when the dressing down comes from the Bonnie Prince, considering Dougal's seeming hero worship of him. It's a bit like watching a kid find out that Santa is Grandpa with a pillow under his shirt. It's a truth that needs to be told, but it's still sad to see their world turned upside down like that. I've always been particularly sensitive to characters being openly humiliated in front of large groups of people, even villains, and I can't really say why exactly except that, you know, I had some uh, bullying experiences as a kid. But I even felt bad for Blackjack when the king made him get down on his knees, so, uh, you know, it affects me. I touched on this a little bit last week, and as uncomfortable as this makes me, I know how necessary it is to further the conflict. Many people have been commenting on the lack of sex this season, and I think we really miss it in this episode, either before or after the battle. This is something that Janet Reynolds will be addressing on the blog, so keep an eye out for that piece. I know it's something everyone's going to have an opinion about. Personally, I would have liked to have seen it afterwards. Yes, we're dealing with the deaths of Angus and Kincaid, but what better way to maintain balance by mirroring death with a celebration of life? For me, however, this is a nitpicky complaint, and I think they dealt with the losses beautifully. Ross and Rupert joining together in a song to mourn their friends finally put me over the edge emotionally. Each episode, I fall a little bit more in love with Fergus, and this week, seeing him devastated yet again with trauma far beyond his years was a bit overwhelming. I'm so glad this was not treated lightly, however. No matter what century we're in or the necessity of the action, someone taking a life is always going to have an effect, especially in a child. What I loved most about this episode is the exploration of the bonds of male friendship that we got before the battle. Angus sees Ross and Kincaid making a pact to watch over the other's family and possessions, and though he is often seen as the comic relief and a bit cantankerous, he recognizes that Rupert means as much to him and seeks to reach out in a way that makes what he feels tangible without having to say, Hey, I love you, man. 
The romance here is real, especially when he bequeaths Rupert with his part-time hur, Scarlet. I think in overhearing the conversation between Ross and Kincaid, Angus also realizes just how little he has to leave behind and seeks to bolster his proverbial estate by tossing Scarlet onto the pile. He has nothing much he can leave Rupert, but it's the only way he can express his profound friendship. I've since read that Angus was sacrificed to serve the balance of the show, and it's interesting because I could have sworn I remembered this from the book, and this serves as a testament to the quality of the adaptation that they can actually make me forget sections of the book, though I will admit that it's probably also a case of mommy brain. I'm very happy with where we are right now. Uh, I am going to give this episode... uh, five kilts as well as I did last week. And I think from from what I know of the books going forward, I am anticipating five kilts all the way to the end. I'm very, very excited. I'm really happy with where we are. Um, I'm ecstatic that we're getting a 90-minute finale and so excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. I can't wait to hear what your thoughts are, and I hope you had a wonderful vacation. So long from the sweat box here. Salut! All right, Kendra, thank you so much. As always, you always bring it. And for those of you who don't know, Kendra is the editor-in-chief of the Outlander Cast blog, and I love having her on here because she's, like, wicked smart, and she knows what she's talking about. But I will say I know what I'm talking about when it comes to the Outlandish theory. Are you ready for this, my love? <laughs> yes, I am. I, you, you, I know you always love my transitions. I do. And uh, it, it's a good transition, and I will tell you, that the last outlandish theory I had uh, for the Je suis prêt uh, listener feedback was fantastic uh, and involved a theory about gayless. So if you get a chance, go back and listen to that, uh, at that one. Uh, but the, the most important thing that comes out of the outlandish theory is that it's humanity's greatest creation. I mean, there's sliced bread. Uh, there's, there's the atom bomb. Like there's like that whole, that whole deal. Um, I it's might even not say a the great car creation. The Stop that. That's not a it, great creation. Well, no, no. I mean, the atomic energy is a is a great creation. Um, splitting the atom was a great finding, and the greatest finding humanity has ever made is is my outlandish theory of the week. Okay. I mean, are you ready for this? Yes, yes, Blake. <laughs> So, luckily, uh, the greatest creation known to humanity is actually sponsored by Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery. For over 60 years, Ackroyd's Scottish Bakery has been making traditional Scottish baked goods with contemporary flair. So, throughout the second season of Outlander, they will be offering a special, not a... Not a... <laughs> I always forget what you want to say. Regular? <laughs> Mediocre. This is the fourth time in a row you've done this to me. I'm always looking at their menu. <laughs> There you go. You know, it's just all right. So let's try it again. Okay. They will offer a special, not a mediocre. Thank you, menu of Outlander-inspired delicacy. Special, a special menu, guys. It is. It's so delicious. I'm just oh looking at God. it now. I got oh, fern cakes. This is the fourth time. I, you know, the first time I get it. The second time, maybe. This is the fourth. I tell you every time. I'm too busy looking Uh, at their menu. I tell you every time. So they ship throughout the U.S. Uh, Check out AckroydsBakery.com for more info. Tell them that Mary, uh, who always leaves me hanging on this segment, (laughs) and I sent you and use the coupon code Outlanda to get five percent off your purchase. All right. So here's my theory. 
Um, here's the thing. Jamie and Claire know the problems that are going to be coming uh, because of Culloden. And I think there's going to be this moment uh, when Jamie has the Body Prince's ear and something will change Jamie's opinion. Ultimately, I feel like despite what he knows, Jamie is going to push for Culloden to happen. He is going to make it happen. Like he, he will have his ear and something Jamie says will convince the body prince um, to fight at Culloden. And Jamie's going to do it. And uh, it, it's almost despite the fact that he knows that they're going to lose. Uh, and I think he will send Claire off before the battle starts. And I'm not sure if she uh, is going to know necessarily what Jamie is doing. Uh, and that's probably one of the reasons why she's so pissed off when she gets back through the stones. But Jamie will uh, be the reason why Culloden happens. And uh, Charlie, Charlie, what do you think about that? Mock me. Please hang up and try again. Thanks. Charlie's always got my back. Um, my love, final thoughts for this episode. I want to watch it again, but it's going to take me a little while. It was hard to watch. It was beautiful to watch. It was so sad to watch. But they did a darn good job with this last episode. Yep, I agree. My final thought is the direction of the battle scenes and uh, the lighting of the battle scenes with the fog and the blood and how gory it was. Um, I didn't expect that. Uh, it, like a... I've watched Game of Thrones, and I just I have a different expectation when it comes to Outlander. Outlander, I always feel like it's just a little less than Game of Thrones. A little less gory. Uh, yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, uh, I've always felt like that. But this episode totally blew that out of the water. I mean, seeing the blood spurt out and, and the slow mos, and then speeding up and. With that initial charge of the, of the silence and then uh, the slow-mo and then all of a sudden speeding up and then the sound came in and there was the Highland uh, yell and oh my god and the swords clashing and clang uh, beautiful stuff and uh, it was really good smart choices and I learned a cool cool fact the battle was actually underneath a giant tent and they were pumping that fog in to the tent uh, when they filmed it. So the fact that they accomplished that uh, underneath his tent, uh, the way that they did, uh, excellent, excellent. And uh, it's probably my favorite visual sequence of Outlander so far. I, I think so. I, I always love that visual sequence that Anna Forrester had uh, with uh, Claire standing and then the carriage coming up the hill um, in... What was it? Wentworth Prison? Yeah, it was. No, no, I'm sorry. It was uh, To Ransom a Man's Soul. That was always beautiful. But this, this was excellent. This whole battle, battle sequence, just beautiful. Uh, directed perfectly and lit perfectly. So, my love, I think that's it. You it ready is. to close out the show? Yes. All right, let's close it out.
We want to take this time to thank all of you who have voted for us, and the podcast awards voting is officially over, so you do not need to hear us talk about voting for maybe another year. Who knows? Maybe we'll be nominated again next year. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. It really means the world to us that you would do that. that A, that you'd listen to us, but B, that you'd do that. It just blows our minds. So thank you guys so much. Right. <sighs> Man, I'm worried. I really want to win. <laughs> you want to win? You want to win Kaladin? I want to win so bad. Um, yeah, I, I'll do. Oh. I'll do anything to win. I, I thought I didn't know you were talking about the podcast. I thought you went. I thought you went the war, and I'm like, honey, we know what's going to happen. Clarity <laughs> came back, and they said they lost. I'm sorry. I'm still like, I'm still so hung up on the war. Oh, I didn't know man. you meant win the podcast you know awards. What? I'm I just going to hit the bell. You know. <laughs> there we go. There's the bell. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man. Oh. Well, I. You know what? We're not professional. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna close the show for us. <laughs> Until next time, ladies and gents. I'm Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and you've been listening to Outlander Cast. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.